Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Firstly, I'd like to welcome my daughter to her first time at church today. She just graduated into the big kids' room, and all of our uh, grade fivers have, uh, and up have gr- graduated into our service, so she brought her notebook today. She says, Dad, I'm going to shout you down. I said, come on, girl, you'll be the only one probably, <laughs> but I totally want you to do that. Come on, girl, you just say, every time your dad says something good, you say, come on, Dad, these people need to listen to what you're saying, all right? <laughs> Amen. Well... I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. Uh, for those of you, I haven't met, I see a couple new faces here today, which I love to see. My name is Ryan. My wife, Stephanie, is in the kids' ministry today, serving all the kiddos. We have a large kids', kids ministry here, and kids mean a lot to us, and our kids, and our, our parents, and obviously everybody, for that matter. Uh, but we're happy you're here today, and I'm Ryan, and uh, I'd love to get to know you. So if you're new here today, make sure you catch me on before you hit the door, or I'll try to catch you. I'd love to shake your hand. and and uh, figure out what brought you here to uh, our great church here today. Uh, Just a couple of things before we get into the word today, which I'm so excited about today. I'm excited about our series. We're doing a book, the series of the Book of Ruth called God is Involved for the next eight weeks, and today is going to be an awesome day today, and you're going to walk away encouraged today, uh, no doubt about it. Um, But just want to reiterate some things to you, just to make sure you know uh, there's some stuff happening over the summer. Uh, Firstly, our barbecues are a great way for you to stay connected, and there's a little bit of a ring. I don't know if you hear it, but... Uh, our, our, our barbecues are a great way to stay connected. And these aren't just uh, to, to, to have something happening in the summer. These are moments for you if you're here today and you say, man, I really want to get to know people better. I want to have fun. I want to just get, get into an environment where it's not church necessarily. Uh, it's not this type of church, but it's that type of church where we're just kind of community hanging out. Come on, join up, uh, sign up for our barbecue. And the way you can do that is download our Church Center app. It's very simple, Church Center, and then you just type in Love City Church and we're there. You can register there. Also, our new service times and our Pursue Nights and Youth all uh, changing. Make sure you make that note so you don't show up on August 11th at 10 a.m. Because we'll put you to work if you get here. You get here early, you got something for you to do. So, uh, And lastly, this is super important. We really want to encourage you guys to sign up for our serve day. It's 8 to 11 o'clock uh, this Saturday. Come on, sign up. 8 to 11 o'clock, we're going to serve the city. We're going to do some different things. Jesse has put on this event. You can talk with her. You can down, uh, sign up on our Church Center app or in the lobby. She's going to be outside with a tablet today. And if you want to register, you can do that. Uh, but come on, just come out and join us. Even if you only make it for an, an hour, half hour, it doesn't matter. Anytime between 8 and 11, you want to come. Uh, but you can connect with her, and she can give you all the information for that. Sound good? All right. Well, come on. Well, we're going to get into the Word today. And... Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big movie guy. I love to watch movies. Uh, if, if you know me at all, I, I feel like I've seen every movie uh, within uh, Under the Sun that is uh, some, somewhat, you know, not the terrible, gross, disgusting movies, Lord willing, but mostly good movies. Don't worry. But I've seen tons of movies. And one of my most favorite movies is the movie called Serendipity. Have you ever seen the movie Serendipity? Anybody in the house seen the movie Serendipity? Okay, so I'm in a really, I knew you would see it. You know, Young Saint and I are kind of, oh, Deb, you got it, okay. Serendipity is this movie about uh, John Cusack and and, uh, Kate Winslet, or no, it's not Kate Winslet, who is that? Kate Beckinsdale, whatever her name is. And uh, they they are both in a relationship, and they end up finding each other in this random, they both reached out for the same gloves in this 
Christmas shopping spree. They reach their hands out. They both grab this glove, and immediately they are attracted to one another, and they end up spending the entire day together. And at the very end of the day, uh, he comes to her and says, can I have your phone number? And she says, no, destiny brought us together, and if destiny wants us to be together, the universe wants us to be together, it'll bring us back together. And so they write their number on a $5 bill, and uh, they ended up leaving their glove in the same place, and the whole movie goes on, and many, year, many years later, they live their lives, and they're kind of in these relationships, and then all of a sudden, this $5 bill finds its way back into their lives, and they were the true love for one another, and they find this $5 bill with their phone numbers on it, and I'm sure I'm butchering the plot, so you just got to go watch it, but at the very end, they end up getting together, and it's this amazing, like, whoa, serendipity, the universe so, so cares about it so much that they found this $5 bill. And, you know, that kind of a movie is it's such a fascinating concept that this idea of destiny, this idea of going through life, they're just walking into a, a, a department store looking for cashmere gloves, and they reach out their hand, and they just happen to touch the same glove at the same time. See, that's kind of a really cool movie plot. And I don't know if you've ever read the book of Ruth, but the book of Ruth is actually just like a crazy movie plot. If you never read the book of Ruth, it's a fascinating book. And what we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time doing a little bit of a flyover of the book because we're going to take the next seven weeks and walk chapter by chapter through this, this book. But the reality is, is that we see that in the book of Ruth, there are normal people facing normal problems, having normal decisions and normal life. And these decisions that they make in life actually lead to a tremendous tragedy. It leads to a tremendous moment in their journey where there's tremendous tragedy. And somehow, some way, behind it all, God is involved in the entire narrative of the story. But the crazy part about the book of Ruth is you don't see a lot of prophetic words and you don't see a lot of dreams and you don't see a lot of these crazy things that happen throughout the Bible. This lady and her mother-in-law and the story that we're going to read about today and the next seven weeks is just a normal, mundane, out of the ordinary, just ordinary story, just like yours and just like mine. Some of you here today might be extraordinary, and I'd like to meet you, but my life just seems to be a little bit mundane sometimes compared to the stories of the Bible. So let's read our text today. We're going to read the first seven verses, and I'm not going to go into much detail. We will get there in the next coming weeks. I want to leave a little bit of a, to the imagination, and uh, it's going to be a great series, so come on back. We've also got these cards here. James, pick one of those cards up for me and wave it like you care. Uh, there you go. There you go. Grab one of those. Invite a friend. Invite somebody to join you. I promise you they're going to be encouraged to know that God is involved in their life. Thank you, James. Let's read this verse together. Um, in uh, Ruth uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 7. It's on the screen behind me, and it says this. In the days when the judges uh, ruled, there was a famine in the land. And so a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the, in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. And, and, and now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women, and one named, sorry, and they married Moabite women, one named Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and the other Ruth. And they had lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. That's a bad day. 
And when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to find to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back in to the land of Judah. So up to this point, if you've ever read the Bible before, and for those of you who maybe haven't read the Bible much, let me give you a little bit of a picture of what's happened up to this point. There's been some incredible, incredible things that have happened in Scripture up until the book of Ruth. We see, obviously, that God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, and the earth came into existence, and uh, all, the, all the, the nature, and the skies, and the cosmos, and uh, the people, and everything that we see today was at a moment created by God. It was this incredible moment of creation where God created the the heavens and the earth. And then we see our ancestors of faith, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and these incredible stories where Abraham was 75 years old when he was called to go out of his land and go to a land that he didn't know about. And he had no children. And God came to him and said, you're going to have millions of inheritance, millions of children. And he didn't have one child. And his wife was barren. And then at the age of 100 years old, Abraham became the father of Isaac. Incredible story. And then 25 years later, God God came to him and said, hey, I want you to sacrifice your son on an altar, the son that I promised you 25 years ago. It's been 50 years in this promise, and now I want you to give it up. I mean, we've got stories like Isaac and, and Jacob and Joseph, who Joseph was in a place where he was thrown into a cistern, and, and then he was pulled out and thrown into, uh, taken to Potiphar's house, one of the, 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 the head security guard for the king, and he was accused of rape and thrown into jail and spent all these years in jail, and then the king had a big dream, and he interpreted the dream and then he became like the vice president or the second in charge of all the land of Egypt. And I mean, these incredible, unbelievable, mind-boggling stories. And then Moses finds a burning bush and be called by God to lead the people of Israel out of oppression and slavery, out of Egypt, into the promised land. And he was called by God and the people of Israel moved throughout the land. And then God raised up all these godly leaders like Esther, who was a woman of God among the king. And she stood up for the nation of the Jews. And you've got Samson, who even though he made some bad choices at the end of his life, pulled down the, the temple over all the enemies. All of these incredible, mind-blowing, mind-boggling stories that were so incredible incredibly baffling if you read the realities of what happened in these stories of Elijah and Elisha and the kings and Solomon and David. These stories are mind-boggling. And then we turn the page and come upon this small story of two widows and a farmer in their out-of-the-way village. Ruth was a nobody from nowhere. She wasn't born a Hebrew. She wasn't born into the Jewish community, which meant if you weren't born into that Jewish community at that time, you were considered outside of God's grace and favor. And so if you were born uh, a non-Jew or a non-Hebrew, you were on the outside, just like you and me. Most of us, unless you're a Jew here today, by our ancestry, we are all outside of that reality. We are born into it when we become followers of Christ. But in this moment, this woman was outside of this Hebrew nation. She was a woman who lived in a, a nation who did not acknowledge God or Yahweh. It was a woman who did not acknowledge God or Yahweh in her own life. And she was not a Jew. She was not a Hebrew. She was not born into the Hebrew community. And she was brought into the story through potentially bad decisions on Naomi's part. I mean, it was like this... this uh, as this, the, 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 the movie would say, or even I've heard other people say, the universe was bringing this all together. We see in this that God 
was so involved, and yet we look at the stories of the Bible and realize that once we get to the book of Ruth, it is so ordinary, it is so not special, it is so daily, it is your Saturday, it's the evening after the kids go to bed, the nothingness, the sitting on the backyard, the going commute to work that you're in traffic, it's the mundane, not really important, doesn't seem that vital, de the, the details of life that just goes from day to day, that that's what the book of Ruth feels like. We come to this woman's story, and I won't get into it much today, but Naomi was married to Elimelech, and they chose, and I believe it was a bad decision. They left the place of God, and they went to Moab. Moab was a godless nation, a nation that did not acknowledge Yahweh as God, and so they chose to go to a land where there was provision, even though they didn't trust the Lord to provide for them in their home. They left that place, and when they went there, their two sons married two women who didn't know God, and eventually Naomi's husband and her sons died, and so here she is in this foreign land, in this godless nation, with two women who didn't know God. Her husband's dead. Her her two boys are dead. What is she going to do now? All these bad decisions and difficult tragedies and hardships of life and plain and simple, this was a tough season in the life of Naomi. And if it was me, I have to be honest with you, and maybe you too, if I sat down with Naomi and she needed some encouragement or pastoral counseling, I got to be honest with you, my natural flesh, my first reaction would be, well, she must have done something wrong. <laughs> She must have made some bad choices and these are just the consequences. She must have not been led by God. She, she, she must have gotten off track somewhere along the way and, and now life's going to look different for her. Man, life could have been so much better for her if she just would have made those right choices. She just would have done it the right way. You look at her life and say, man, it just stinks because, man, it could have turned out like this and now it's going to turn out like this and God will, you know, God will make it good but it's like, fine, it could have been like this. See, the great names in all of this plot that we come up to, the, the names of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon, Joshua, all of them tell these great stories of faith. But Ruth is this ordinary, regular story. And surely she thinks, I don't have any significance. There's no, it feels as though she has no significance in this story called God's plan. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, I have felt like this and often feel like this on a regular basis. I have this weird thing where sometimes I lay in bed, and I don't know if it's God or it's me, but I'll lay in bed and I'll have this, this, this sense in my heart, this sense in my mind, from, I have this like almost out-of-body experience where I step back and think about history from then to now, and I think about history from my life to the life to come, and I think about the universe and the vast expanse of the universe, and I just feel so small. I just look at my life sometimes and think, man, I'm, I'm, it's a Friday night and I'm having game night with my kids and we're playing Uno and they go to bed and then I'm going to watch some office on Netflix and I just feel like my life compared to the journey of history just feels so stinking insignificant. I feel like my life at times doesn't have a whole lot of value and I almost feel like sometimes that God is not involved. Yes, God's present. Yes, God's there. But sometimes I feel like when I'm sitting out to dinner with friends, I feel like, well, this isn't a moment where God's involved. 
Or I feel like sometimes when I went on a walk this morning and I'm walking to Starbucks and on my way I'm, I'm, I'm just sneezing uncontrollably because of stinking pollen or something like that. And I just thought, you know, here I'm sneezing and like people are all across the world giving their lives for God and I'm sneezing on the way to Starbucks. Like, man, my life just seems so trivial and so small and so insignificant. I don't know, maybe you felt that way before. There was a time in my life where I was, uh, made some decisions to, and many of you have heard this context of this story, some of you haven't, so I continue to say it because it's an important part of my journey. I made a decision to move my family to another place where I was going to go in ministry, and I had this idealistic idea of what it meant to be a pastor. And when I got there, my family settled in, we started making friends. Some of you were in this room today from that season uh, 14, 16 years ago or 15 years ago, however long ago. And, I, and I, I made friends, and we rooted ourselves down, and things were good. And then all of a sudden, after 10 months, I realized this wasn't for me, and I thought I made a bad decision. I decided to move, quit my job where I was making over $100,000 a year, and I was a volunteer youth pastor at a church, and my family was in this place, and I said, I'm going to go, and we're going to go for God, and we moved all the way up to this place, and we settled in this church, and 10 months in, I was laying on the couch in my in-law's house, and literally my wife was on her hands and knees at me, and I was thinking, honey, I think I'm having a mental breakdown. All these decisions I made, I screwed, I screwed this whole thing up. God, where are you? God, why are you not involved in my story? And why are you not involved in my journey? And I imagine there's some people here today who might feel like that today. You look at your life and you wonder, man, is my job any value? Does my relationships have any value? Is, is there any, like, really any important thing in what I'm doing? I mean, I know that I could go and I could sell everything and move to Papua New Guinea and serve the people in the jungle, and I could do that, but I just don't feel like I'm supposed to do that. So, therefore, does my life have any value? God, are you actually involved in every detail of my life, or are you just involved in the big things? Who am I going to marry, and how many kids am I going to have, and where am I going to work, and what am I going to do with my life? God, I know you're involved in those things but Lord are you involved in the smallest detail of me laying in my bed on a Saturday morning just enjoying having nothing to do are you there in that moment when I feel anxiety and fear or when I don't know what to do when my kids are acting a certain way and I don't know how to pastor them or when the church is happening like this or when my business isn't working out like that and I feel God that you're so disconnected from my mundane ordinary regular life See, the Bible has something to say about this in this story, and the beautiful thing about this story, the beautiful thing about this text that I want you to know today, the big idea today, the big theme for you in this place today, is that we walk away from this verse and we really understand three overarching mega-themes from this verse, from, these, this, from this book. And I want to share these three thoughts with you. The three things are this. Number one, this is what I want you to catch during this series. Number one is that God is actively involved in every area of your life. The word involved actually means to be actively participating. That God is actively, absolutely involved in every single area of your life. He's involved with every detail, every breath, every moment, every second, every hour, every single thing in your life. He is not just involved in the bigger grand scale. He is involved in the very small, minute areas of your life. The second important thing that we want, to, the big mega theme here today, is that God has a legacy for you. See, many of you don't realize that actually God has a plan that is important beyond your lifetime. That your children's children, children, and the generations to come will benefit from the life that you choose to live on this planet. And the third mega theme that we see today is that the position we choose in life 
truly matters. Choices you make in life, the, the choice you have in life, the position you take in life, actually, it truly, truly matters in your life. We see that sometimes in the middle of life, in the middle of challenges that we face, we feel as though God is not involved, God is not engaged. And I want you to know that this story tells us that Ruth and Naomi, Ruth and Naomi find themselves wrapped up in the plan of God and they didn't do anything to deserve it. They, didn't, they weren't very special. Uh, Naomi made some bad choices. She lost her husband. She lost her sons. She moved to Moab. She decided to move back. This is not a good situation. Things are not looking great. Like, life isn't what I thought it was going to be. And yet, despite it all, God is bringing them in to a larger grand story that they have no idea that they, they are the center of. Do you know that that, sent, that grand story isn't just for me? Like, the, the, the Love City Church and what, the grand story isn't just for me? Did you know that the grand story of God's plan is actually centered around you as well? That God has a grand story for this planet and for this world and for your life that you are actually at the center of? That he's actually working with your life to get you to the place where you can follow the will of God for your life? Every day, every moment, every up, every down, God was there involved in the implications of their life. Let's look at this verse in Psalms 139. Look at this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. And you know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. And you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me and you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Verse 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God is actively involved in your life. Whether you're here today and you're facing tragedy, maybe your finances are in disarray, maybe your relationship's falling apart, maybe you've been trying to have children and you just can't seem to have the, that child, or maybe there's a promise, or there's, there's breakthrough in your life, and you're here today, and you're at the low of the low, and you say, well, how is it that, that God, it feels as though God's not involved. I want, you to hear, I want you to hear me today. God knows every moment, every detail. He sees when you rest at home. He sees when you walk. He sees when you talk. He sees you. He is actively involved in your life. The second mega theme that we see from the scripture is that God has that legacy for you. Every single person in this room counts. Every single person in life in this room has value for the grand scheme of God's plan. I don't care how old you are today. Maybe you've been in ministry for years and you're retired or maybe you're a brand new Christian or maybe you used to do things for God and now you're just taking it easy. Listen, I don't care who you are today. I care, but you know what I mean? I don't, the situation you're in doesn't matter. Your life counts from the day you start to the day you die. Your life has a legacy that comes after you. And your life matters Look at this scripture. I'm going to give you the punchline of the entire book of Ruth, so I'm sorry. I'm going to read the last page of the book right now. In Ruth chapter 4, God has a legacy for you. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and 
Boaz is a part of the story we'll get to in a little while in this week, but Boaz was this like sexy, like, you know, McSteamy <laughs> that just found that $5 bill. And you'll love this story. It's a romantic love story. So if you like love stories, come on back. We'll be talking all about it. All the girls are like, it'll be some popcorn. <laughs> all the guys are in back watching F1 or something. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife when he made love to her. Hello. He made love to her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer and may he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the woman lived there said, Naomi has a son. And we can explain that later. Look at this. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Here's a girl who is a nobody, nothing, with no, nothing showing for her life. She wasn't a good Christian. She didn't go to church all the time. She didn't read her Bible constantly. She did nothing about this woman qualified her to be the very center of the grand narrative of God's plan. Yet he chose to give her a legacy. She was the great-grandmother of King David. But not only that, we jump all the way to the New Testament, and we look in Matthew chapter 1, look at this. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the, the mother of Uriah. Ruth became the ancestry line of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God, King Jesus, that walked on the planet all the way back to this woman whose life was this inconsequential, ordinary life that she just went through it and God found his way to navigate because he was involved and he had a legacy for her life. Look at this. I mean, look at this for a minute. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth was a nobody. Bathsheba was the mistress of David. That's the seed line of Jesus. You're here today and say, man, I don't qualify to be a Christian. I don't qualify to go to church. I don't qualify for God to use me. Well, you are so wrong. Because look at these people. You have a plan. God is involved. And not only that, I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care. Today, maybe you're just a mom and you just stay home with your kids. You think, well, my life isn't worth very much. I'm just home and all these other people do. I want you to hear me today. There's a reason God has you doing that in your life. God is involved in every detail, every moment you parent your child. And there is a legacy waiting for you in those children. Don't disregard God's involvement in your life as you work harder than any old person in this room with those two kids at home. Don't forget that God is involved in every single detail of your life. And you have a legacy. Now, there's one more point here, though. To read in the verse, Romans chapter 8, 28. We all know this verse. If you've been in church, if you haven't, let's read it. It says this. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plan. I love how it says that, all that happens to us. Obviously, most of the time when people are derailed from God is when something happens to us. We're not derailed from our understanding of God or derailed in our understanding of, 
of, of who God is or a relationship with God when things are good. Most of us probably aren't even thinking about God because we're just enjoying his blessings. But the moment something happens to us, the moment you lose that job, the moment life falls apart, the moment you and your husband fight like dogs and you don't know if you're going to come back from it, the moment you get stuck in the area of pornography, the moment you fall back into your addiction, or the moment things get difficult in your life, or the moment when life happens to us, when the good happens, when the bad happens, when the exciting or the boring or the up or the down or the life or the death or the tragedy or the mundane or the Saturdays or the days off or the restful days or traffic, whenever all these things happen in our life is the moment when we must realize, okay, something's happening. God is involved. Is that what the scripture says? It says he is working Steph pointed this out when I was sharing this. She was running up to recognize that it doesn't say he worked. It says he's working. We want to get to this place in life where we feel like, okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready to serve God. Like, I've got my stuff kind of figured out, and I'm ready to serve God, or I'm ready to get married, or I'm ready to do this, or I'm ready to step forward. And I want you to know, it never stops. The working process is called, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the Christian world, if, in the theological term would be sanctification. The idea is, is that we are constantly, God is constantly working in our lives. It never stops. It never quits. It never fails. God never stops working in every area of our lives because that's how God is. He's faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He continually works in your life. Philippians chapter 2, 13, for God is working in you, giving you the power, or the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Come on, say that with me. Say that, repeat after me. God is working in me. Come on, one more time. God is working in me. Come on, He is working in your life. And look what it says in the verse. Working it out for what? good. So when that tragedy happens, your first response is, I don't deserve this. When tragedy happens, our first response is, what did I do wrong? When tragedy happens or life happens, our first response is often anxiety and fear, which is the natural, normal reaction. But you have to recognize that when things happen, God is involved, he has a legacy for you, and he's working this difficult circumstance out for good, which would imply it wasn't good in the first place. <laughs> so he's causing your life that feels like it's mundane, that feels like it's detailless, but it feels like just, eh, it feels like blase, it feels like, meh, it feels like life's not good, or, I don't like what's going on. When you feel those moments where life doesn't feel like it's exactly what you want, recognize God is working in you, he's doing it for your good, but I want to get to this last part here today. The verse says something very important, and I bolded it on there. Look at that word, say it with me, if. The third truth that we see all throughout the book of Ruth is that the, the position in life you choose to take matters. Does God love you no matter what? Yes. Is God with you no matter what? Yes. Will God care for you and love you just like a great father does? Yes. But the scripture teaches us here that he causes all things to work to the good of those who love him. The third thing we see in this book of Ruth is that is that Ruth's position, she chose a position, and the position matters. 
Your position matters. It's not just coast and God's going to work it out. Yeah, we coast and sometimes, yeah, we just let God figure it out. You'll see in the scripture, Ruth had to get to work. There's some things she did. She made some decisions. There were some things she had to make happen. But the reality is, is that God wants to bless you and God wants to pour his favor out on you and God wants to bless your life and God wants to give you a legacy and God wants to work all these things that are happening in your life out for good and God is a faithful good. He will always be faithful. When you're not faithful, he doesn't change. You change. I change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's nature and character Character remains steady all the way out through creation in the world. The only difference in, in all of creation is you and me, where we are fickle, we change, we, we have variations in our behavior. The difference is not God. The difference is us. And you have to recognize here today that Ruth took a position in life, and that position mattered. Yep. It says, if we love God, and are fitting into his plans. Look at this. The position in life we choose will determine the destination we end up at. Look at this. In this, the position yourself for the promise of God in your life. Position yourself for the, the blessings of God in your life. You've got to make a decision in your life. Okay, I'm going to position myself because the position and how I live my life actually and truly and really matters in my life. So Ryan, how do I position myself? I'll end with this just today. How do I position myself? Very clearly, I'm just going to give you some basic thoughts here in Hebrews 11:6. Look what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So that word faith, that word faith there is a position. It's a choice. That word faith there is a decision in my life that I, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Therefore, i got to have faith. The faith decision is me being able to understand that I, I can't have a handle on what I can't see. But faith is our ability to have a handle on what you can't see in your life. When you can't see around the corner of the tragedy, when you can't see around the corner of your hardship, when you can't see around what's happening in your life, faith is the ability to have a handle on what you cannot see. Yeah. Look what Hebrews 11.6 says. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11.1 1 in the message. The fundamental fact of existence is that the trust, this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Look at this. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, Ruth. It set them above the crowd. This is the difference maker between somebody who experiences these things and doesn't, is the fact that there's faith. There's a faith in God. And look what it says in the scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Everybody say that, exists. Yes. That word exists in the Greek actually means to be present, to be active. It means that you have to believe that God is involved in my life. You have to believe that God is actively involved in every single nuance and detail of your life. This word is actually used in the Hebrew in, in, in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses was about to lead the people of Israel into the wilderness and, and go and do all these amazing miracles. And he said, listen, how, what am I supposed to tell these people? What is your name? And he says, I am that I am. That means I am the ever-existing one. I've always existed and I will always exist in your life. Do you understand that your faith, the position of faith that you 
have. That faith, you know what that is? You believing. Okay, I don't understand it all, but God is involved in my life. I know this difficulty in my relationship with my wife is not good. I know it looks like things aren't going to work out. God is involved in my life. I know I keep stumbling in sin, and I keep falling back into that addiction, and that habitual behavior, and I don't know what to do, but i got to understand God is involved in my life. That is a faith position that says, okay, God, I want to experience the blessing and the provision and the favor and the love that you have for me. But it starts with a decision of a faith position. God, you are involved in my life. But not only that. He says, you're involved. God, you are ever-existent. But I want you to see the implication. What would it look like in your life if you chose today to have a faith position what would happen if your life, if you were driving in traffic tomorrow morning and instead of complaining about it, you recognize God's involved in this traffic? How many times have you ever considered when you hit that red light and you wish you would have made it, what accident God just saved you from? I always think about that. Or the time when your wife takes too long doing her hair. Come on, somebody. Come on, honey. There's a massive accident on the highway. You say, oh, come on, Ryan. Well, hey, you don't know. You're not God. He's involved in every detail of your life. There's a reason behind it all. There's a reason behind my wife doing her hair. Absolutely, because she looks pretty. Hallelujah. But also because God's involved in every detail of our life. He works with our decisions. God is involved. That is a faith position. And if you take that faith position, I met with somebody this week, and he said, Ryan, what's my next step? I said, every single moment of your life, stop and acknowledge that God is in your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Look at, listen to this. In all your ways... Acknowledge him, and he will what? What? In all my ways, have faith, and he will direct my steps. Ryan, what do I do? Have faith. Believe God is involved in this situation right now in your life. And what happens? A little lamp. We're going to go on the path you should take. Oh my gosh, I feel peace about this. There's been confirmation I should go this direction. Man, I feel good about this. The Bible confirmed that. Man, I believe that. I had a prophetic word 20 years ago and it's coming to fruition now, man. If I hadn't had, if I just thought that this is just a mundane life where I'm just living life and it has no consequence and no value, you've got to make a choice to have faith in God that he is present and active in your life. Look what it says here as we end here this morning. I love this part. Because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists. And then he what? Rewards those who earnestly seek him. So, for God works all things according to his plan, or as it said, whenever something happens to you, as Romans 8 said, when things happen to you, I'll use my own language, when things happen to you in your life, recognize that, have faith Recognize God is working in my life. And guess what? He causes it to work to good to those who love him. Now look at this. He says, if you have faith and believe that God is involved in your life, that when you come to God, he's involved, guess what happens next? He rewards those. That word reward is an amazing word. Look at this. That word reward means to cause things to come into existence. Hello. To cause something to come into existence that wasn't there before. We'll read through the book of Ruth. And you will find, starting chapter 2, there were things happening in Ruth's life. She was just living life. She found the Lord. She's serving God. She's serving people around her. She's being faithful. And God began to cause things to come into existence, which positioned her to carry the seed line of Jesus Christ. 
Look what it says here, this definition. To, to, to finish or perform a miracle. The best thing about faith, the Bible says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, see, Ryan, does it take great faith? Nope. In my life, sometimes I don't feel like God's involved, but I sure try to acknowledge God is involved. Sometimes in my life, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person that I have to work really hard to say I love you. Not because I don't love her. It's just not in my nature. I didn't grow up. It's just how I'm wired. I often, and I'll be honest with you, don't feel that love. How many of you married people know you don't feel it sometimes? <laughs> I don't feel it. But something in me says, say it. When I say it to her, guess what happens? I feel love. See, I don't feel faith. I don't like the situation I'm in. I had loss in my life and difficulty and hardship. Life isn't what I thought it would be. I, I used to be married and now I'm divorced. Or, or I wanted children and it didn't happen. Or, or I'm older now and I thought my kids would serve the Lord or they're not. Or I tried this thing and tried that decision. And right now my life's just taking a turn. And it's not turning out any way that I thought it would. Listen, I want you to know here today, don't worry. God's involved. And he has a legacy for your life. And he, that God, I don't feel the situation. I don't feel like it's good. I don't feel like you're involved. But God, I acknowledge today in all my ways you're involved in my life right now, oh God. You're involved in every detail of my life. And guess what happens? The Bible says he rewards those. He caused things to come into existence that weren't there before. It's called faith. Causing a mountain to move. When God spoke, guess what happened? Everything came into being. That's how it works. Faith. Position. God, you're involved in my life. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand and would you close your eyes? And I have you close your eyes just for, honestly, just for privacy for others because I want people to respond today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I feel as though my life, I just feel like God's not involved. I just feel like today, like my life has no like value, like, like, like I'm just living life and maybe you're just living for money or living for career and you try to make it about that, but you know, man, it just doesn't ever satisfy me. Come on, you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. You're just going to show me your hand so I know who I'm praying for today. Say, Ryan, I need to be reminded today, like I, I want to make a commitment today that I'm going to recognize by faith that God's involved. I haven't been doing that, Ryan, and I need some prayer today. Come on, would you put your hand in the air real quick? Just place your hand in the air. Come on, all across the room, praise the Lord. Come on, put your hand up real quick so I can see it. All right, you can put your hands down. Come on, you're in the room today. You say, Ryan, I don't know Jesus. I'm here today, and I'm not a Christian, or I'm not a follower of God, and man, I like what you're saying here. I like the fact that God wants to be involved in my life. I like the fact that God wants a legacy for me. But today, it requires a decision. A decision of faith. And I don't understand all the answers. I don't understand all the nuances of all the questions that we have. But, but I know today that, gosh, I do believe that, that I want to follow Jesus. I want to have faith today. I want to give my life to God. Start this journey of unknowns and this journey towards figuring out what this means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Come on, with every eye closed in the room today, come on, if you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'd like to give my life to Jesus today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you forward. I'm just going to pray with you out loud. 
Would you place your hand in the air on the count of three? One. Come on, go ahead and put your hand in the air. Two. Three. Come on, anybody in the room today? Put your hand up real quick so I can see it. Come on, amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, come on, let's pray together, church. Come on, I'm going to pray out loud, and I want you to repeat after me. Come on, real loud, church. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. Come on, church, pray with me this morning. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I acknowledge you're involved. I acknowledge you're involved. In every detail of my life. In every detail. Would you help me be reminded every day? Thank you for the legacy you have for me. Now, Lord, would you forgive me? Forgive me for any area of my life, Lord, where I've fallen short. I want to follow after you. I want to give my life to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let me pray for the Lord. I pray right now. Father, would you reveal yourself to these people in this room? you are involved in every area, God. The Lord, nothing is a mistake. No choice can derail your plan, God. The Lord is a man, is a plan in his heart. The Lord's purposes will prevail. Lord, today I pray, God, for a sensitivity. A sensitivity, God, to their lives. A sensitivity to the details of their life, knowing that, God, you're involved. That you have a legacy for us. And that, God, we take a faith position today. We will stand in faith and believe that, God, you are involved in our lives. And there is a great, great purpose in store for our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.